Thanks for listening to the Frontline AudioCast, the enhanced audio version of our television documentaries. In case you didn't know, Frontline also produces a podcast of original documentaries made for listening. It's called The Frontline Dispatch, and you can find it by searching Frontline Dispatch in iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. But back to the Frontline audio cast. Here is the audio cast of Sex Trafficking in America, broadcast May 28th on PBS. Most people do not understand the volume of trafficking that's going on in America, in our own backyard. People want to think that human trafficking only exists in foreign countries. The recruitment is happening online and on apps and on social media where all the kids are. You are a product and you have no other value. Tonight, a special frontline report on a police unit in Phoenix. We just learned that our arrest team is That tries to recover women and girls. I was out there for um, almost four years. I hated every second of it. I hated every call. Somebody sees me like arrested like this, like the girls or the pimp or something, and then we're not out here to just give you guys a hard time. We really do want to help get you out, okay? Going undercover. Once they friend me on Facebook, then I just go into their friend list and I just hit them all up with friend requests. And online. Some of them, they quit 24 and they're actually 15. I have never, ever met a trafficker that I felt sorry for. I mean, they're literally selling humans day in and day out and making money off of them. Stopping the traffickers and the buyers. Things cost different prices. Fetishes, though, are extras. Without customers, there's no girls out there. Without customers, there's no pimps. The inside story of a brutal crime. A drug is a usable quantity that can be used up one time. A person can be trafficked over and over and over again, and that's why it's such a problem. And the consequences. For a lot of these victims, they spend years trying to rebuild their lives and to have to rehash it all on trial. It's got to be really, really difficult. With extraordinary access on the streets and through the struggles for justice. The state of Arizona. It's painstakingly long, the time between the arrest and the time that we see a suspect in trial. An additional on behalf of the state. A story of courage in the face of the unthinkable. I want to have a future for myself and like show the people who hurt me, like, you know, you hurting me just made me stronger. Tonight on Frontline, sex trafficking in America. Frontline is made possible by contributions to your PBS station from viewers like you. Thank you. And by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Major support is provided by the John D. and Catherine T. MacArthur Foundation, committed to building a more just, verdant, and peaceful world. More information at macbound.org. The Ford Foundation, working with visionaries on the front lines of social change worldwide at fordfoundation.org. 
Additional support is provided by the Abrams Foundation, committed to excellence in journalism. The Park Foundation, dedicated to heightening public awareness of critical issues. The John and Helen Glessner Family Trust, supporting trustworthy journalism that informs and inspires. And by the Frontline Journalism Fund, with major support from John and Joanne Hagler, and additional support from Koo and Patricia Ewan through the Ewan Foundation. Tonight's program contains mature content, which may not be suitable for all audiences. Viewer discretion is advised. Thousands of people are pouring into the Phoenix area Tonight today. Super Bowl 49, now just a day away. Tomorrow in Glendale, Arizona. Fans of the Seahawks and Patriots flying in today. They're loving it's the location. It's not just another night on the town. Tonight, Phoenix is the town. Before the Super Bowl came to Phoenix in 2015, the city began preparing for the arrival of tens of thousands of people. And they worried that not all of them would be coming for the game. Detective Amber Campbell. There's always a lot of talk around any kind of a large sporting event about traffickers bringing their victims. Sex trafficking is a huge problem around the world, including Because they expect there to be a big client base. All right, we're in the area. We're just south of you guys. Like other cities around the country, Phoenix was looking for a new way to deal with the persistent problem, the sexual exploitation of women and girls. How many girls are out here right now? One of the first things they did was change the way they look at the problem. They started seeing it as a form of human trafficking. Detective Christy de Couflet. A pimp and a trafficker yeah. are the same thing. Okay. We just yeah. used to call them pimps okay. all the time. The very core of what trafficking is, is influencing, inducing, encouraging someone into a life of prostitution. For two and a half years, Frontline followed a special police unit in Phoenix devoted to fighting sex trafficking. No defense that you didn't know how old she was. If you're exploiting someone else and you're using their body and using them to make money, you're a trafficker. When we arrived in Phoenix in the fall of 2016, the police had just begun a new approach, meant to treat the women and girls as victims, not criminals. Before, it was just arrest book, arrest book, arrest book. It was more about addressing the community's complaints about seeing people out on the street. 27? Okay. They tell us to F off, and we book them, and we go about our business. Where are you from originally? California. California, what part? How long have you been out here? We started talking to some girls, and once we realized why they were out there, we realized we were approaching it wrong. Unfortunately, we keep coming across girls that are either really, really young, older, and thought they wanted to do it and changed their mind, but don't know how to get out anymore. We started trying to figure out how can we help get them off the street and, and go after the pimp instead of the girls. We really do want to help get you out, okay? Somebody sees me, like, arrested like this, like the girls or the pimp or something, and then... You kind of don't have a choice right now to talk to us, right? I know it seems like a big to-do here, but we have to kind of make it that way. We know that for you guys. It's very difficult okay. to put a number on how many victims are out there. There's no stereotypical human trafficking victim. They span 
all ethnicities, all socioeconomic backgrounds, and all ages. Girl, you're so young. That makes me sad. Are you out here with anybody? No. Are you working for a pimp? We don't really call them prostitutes anymore. You know, we call them victims and then we call them survivors. And we try to empower them a little bit as they move through that culture. The detectives were also changing the way they looked at the men selling women, treating them as the perpetrators of human trafficking. Each state is different and the federal law is different. But overall, if you're using someone else for your personal financial gain, that is the true sense of being a trafficker. It doesn't have to be across state lines, though most always it is. When we started filming with the unit, much of the sex trafficking business had moved online to websites like Backpage, a virtual marketplace for buyers and sellers of sex. We usually look for girls on Backpage because that's where it's the most prominent. That's where uh, we know that most of the customers are going to look for girls. That's where we know most of the girls are being advertised. These are the ads that Heidi pulled yesterday. Okay. Who chose this one because her name happens to be Jazzy and because of our case uh, yesterday? Mm -hmm. We look for juveniles specifically on Backpage. And then a lot of these girls, it's been my experience, they're not going to put 18, 19. They're going to put 21 to 24 because they don't want us to think that they're underage. Okay. Everything on this could be 100% false. But if it looks like they're young, they're speaking young, mm -hmm. there's young indicators, plus there's someone else taking their photo, then it wasn't just a selfie, that was someone else. Someone else taking us to post. When I first came, there's girls working out on the streets, and then it was on Craigslist. Um, Craigslist shut that section down, uh, which then made Backpage popular. And now, even more recently, in the last few years, they are recruiting on apps. Let's be a little vulnerable here. I don't want to get... Because traffickers hide behind the anonymity of the Internet, the detectives have been going undercover to try to lure them into the open. Detective Melissa Borges. With undercover Facebook accounts, I'll typically... I'll friend somebody who I know is out there who we've, maybe we had previously ID'd as, as a pimp or uh, is a working girl. And then once they friend me on Facebook, then I just go into their friend list and I just hit them all up with friend requests because they're not going to take the time. They just figured out, oh, She's a really pretty girl, and look what, her, look what her profile pic is. And they all network together. They hire models who let them post their pictures online. Samantha, what was her name on there? Um, Ashley Diamond. We will have multiple different profiles across multiple different types of social media. Um, this persona, I pretend to be very into fashion, so I will share fashion stuff. And I'll post these funny little things, and so I kind of mix it up to make it look real. I have about five different pages. Um, this is the one I've been using the most lately, so it is a lot of work, and I do it when I can. The good thing is Facebook is something I can get on from my phone when we're doing surveillance. I can sit there. We work late at night. I can post something, so I'm... That's the other thing. It's important to post things on the weekend or late at night, or if I only post things like Monday through Friday, 8 to 5, then I start to look like a cop. <laughs> so here he responded it looks like he's desperate for a girl he's hurting for money right now after a year of being my friend all of a sudden he just sends a random facebook message then i'm gonna jump all over it and see what he has to say i'm not asking he it. probably sent that same message to, to a whole every bunch of single girls. oh yeah it's like a fishing expedition for them um we can develop charges on them just based on this conversation and arrest them yeah if i can get him to meet all the criteria for it then that's a fantastic pandering charge whether he's in california arizona or not
He knows I'm going to work as a prostitute for him. He's going to take all of my money. I let him know I'm nervous about that. And she's just very, very nonchalant, like it's normal to be nervous about making such a change. Sex trafficking is a new problem. I mean, it's, it's the oldest problem, but it's a new problem that we're looking at in a different way. Dominique Rusepowitz helped launch the anti-trafficking effort before the 2015 Super Bowl. She's one of the few experts studying the scope of the problem. Reliable statistics on sex trafficking are very complicated to find. It is a hidden crime. Um, the trafficker tells the victim that they're going to get in trouble if they disclose it. So oftentimes our, the victims that we work with don't tell us quickly or up front that this is something that's happening. Um, the sex buyers are, are purposely hiding their behavior so they don't get caught. It's illegal to buy sex. So the whole thing is sort of behind a screen. Now, so they're out of the game. It was hard for the police to tell if there was an actual spike in sex trafficking around the Super Bowl, but the event changed the way they have approached the issue ever since. Detective Campbell. The Super Bowl was kind of the catalyst that brought all the parties to the table. It brought law enforcement in the same room with the service providers, individuals that were out there in the community doing training, the you know, legislatures and the, the governor and mayor. That's what was the catalyst for bringing the task forces together. I'll be right back. I'm going to grab my notepad, OK? The anti-trafficking effort has been particularly focused on minors. In 2016, the unit picked up this teenager named Kat. She'd been abducted and trafficked by men she met online. I actually got a call at 3.45 in the morning. She's a 16-year-old who ran away from the city of Maricopa and ended up here in Phoenix. He told me 15 minutes. 15 to 20 minutes was 100, 30 minutes was 120 to 150, and an hour was 200, but it depended. And, like, that was all he told me, but I'm guessing that it went up more and more if they wanted more time. Detective DeCoufle. We're seeing more and more girls, but they're just typical teenagers, going through the woes of being a teenager and become a victim because they're vulnerable, because the traffickers have access to them through their phones and through the Internet. When we met Kat a few months after she'd been found by the police, she was back home with her parents. I have to talk to them about making a schedule for the week. How are you doing in school? Good. I just did a pretest for my, my name is Kat and I'm 16 years old. And you sort of told the three I have yeah. three siblings, actually, two brothers and one sister. I love giraffes. <laughs> um, I don't really know what else to say. So this right here, um, this is Pedro. It's like something you sleep on. It's almost like a, like a pillow. I, me, me and my parents have been arguing a lot about just things that have been going on throughout like my life and things that were going on in their life and it seemed like they were blaming me for everything and I just like, I couldn't take it anymore. I had Facebook, I had Instagram, I had all these things, uh, Snapchat, all, everything like that. I, I, my friend told me about this app, it was called Meet Me. It was like a, like you meet people and you talk to them, you know, it didn't really seem like it was that harmful. And this is his chatting history. There's Kat and there's Raphael. Through the Meet Me app, Kat began chatting with a man named Rafael Quiros. They exchanged messages for almost a month. 
She talked to him about the struggles that she was having at home with, with her family and um, fights that she was having, and he was just playing on her vulnerabilities. Rafael introduced Kat to a friend of his named Jesse Cisneros. So Jesse started corresponding with her on, uh, on Snapchat, and Jesse was the one who actually arranged to meet up with her. This whole section here is where they're talking about her running away. He offered to give me a ride up to Phoenix. And with everything in my head, I was like, you know, it's just a ride, you know, like nothing's gonna happen. When he got here, I climbed out of my bedroom window and got into his car. He was like, I'm not dropping you off. And I was like, you know, what are you talking about? He covered my eyes so I couldn't see where we were going. It was really dark. Their plan was to get Kat and utilize her for the purpose of, of sex trafficking. They knew it going in. Kat was the unsuspecting one who had no idea, unfortunately. And that's how her nightmare began. I went to go wake her up for school, and I looked in her room, and I, I didn't see her. I drove all over town looking for her, and she wasn't there, and that's when we started realizing that yeah, something wasn't yeah. right. Kat's parents filed a missing persons report. So I'm thinking, it's a, my daughter's laying out in the middle of the desert, dying, and she's crying for me, and I can't be there. The night she left home, Kat was driven 30 miles to Phoenix, where she met a third man, who she says was the most frightening of them all, Bryant Flamate. Bryant was more the enforcer, you could say. He told me, I don't give a who you are. He said, I own you. I own your body. I own you. And you have no say in what you do. The men took her to a hotel. And that black truck right there is Jesse Cisneros' truck. This is Jesse Cisneros. This is Bryant Flamate. They arrived to the hotel together. And then here comes Kat. And this is where Jesse explains, you have a client. And I was like, what are you talking about? I have a client. He was like, you're going to have sex with this man. He was like, you're going to tell him you're 19 and your name is Rose. And this stranger comes in. He did those things to me. He puts the money in the drawer and then he leaves. It was like my whole world just collapsed. Over the course of a week, she was taken to homes and hotel rooms and repeatedly sold for sex until someone saw her outside the hotel, became suspicious, and called the police. We went and checked back in, but it was into a different room. It was at the Comfort Inn, but it was a different room. It was that second room that I showed you. She's the only victim I've had who could tell me specific room numbers of hotel rooms that they had been taken to. Okay, so they went into that room 204 that you pointed out yesterday. When she could recall so much detail, that helped us tremendously in tracking down who all these players were. At this point, I've got charges on all suspects. So we have three traffickers in custody right now. So I'm preparing the case for the county attorney's office so they can move through the court process. For Kat, this would be the beginning of a long and uncertain journey. 
Typically, cases like this will take anywhere from a year and a half to like two and a half years to make their way through the court process. What we know in most states is that traffickers get away with it. Dr. Dominique Rosepowitz. Our research shows that about 27% of victims participate in the court, that they will talk to law enforcement and give them enough information to catch the trafficker and move forward. Hello. Hello, this is Vanessa. Many of the unit's cases don't start with a victim like Kat. So the detectives are finding other ways to gather evidence against potential traffickers. Just calling to chat a little bit, because I just didn't know what you were all about, really. I'm looking for a little girl right now. I don't know if you're comfortable with traveling, but I do, I do some traveling, too. In California, Miami, New York. My next stop, I'm thinking about taking you to Vegas. Detective Heidi Chance. When we are doing an uh, operation where we're talking to pimps, literally, if I don't answer my pimp's call, I'm not legitimizing myself, and he's going to drop me. So it is 24-7 all the time. At the end of the day, I got to take care of you. I got to make sure you're straight. I got to make sure your hair done, your nails done. I got to make sure you get your beauty sleep. I got to make sure you have the proper hygiene. The first time I didn't answer a call, I had to explain myself the next morning, and he had pulled my ad off immediately and was screaming at me because I didn't answer his call. I gotta take care of everything, you know what I mean? Once everything starts getting going and everything starts getting good, it's a, it's a really luxury life. I'm gonna put you in a position to win. You know, a happy girl makes happy money. <laughs> it's all about the money. It is a business to them. A drug is a usable quantity that can be used up one time. A person can be trafficked over and over and over again all day long, and that's why it's such a growing problem. So there he is. He's responding now. I need half of my weed somewhere. What are you looking for in the one you choose? In the oh. one you choose? I mean, this is fantastic. This is going to give us... It's an entire transcript. So I'm not asking for you to be perfect. I just... I just ask for you to have loyalty, dedication, and I want some elevation in your situation. He's talking about money. The other part of this is proving the person behind the computer, behind the phone, behind the text messages. And that's why we do other things to bolster the case so then that way we can prove. This is the person that did all these things that I had the conversation with. Get him in a telephone to get them, conversation. Uh, get him to purchase. Uh, um, a Greyhound ticket for me. Get him at the Greyhound station picking me up. Let's see here. Let's see if we can get him ID'd. He, his name may not even be Chris. Let's see what we got here. Another one of the men she's been talking to online is yeah. Dwayne Mathis, and he has a long criminal record. So assault, marijuana, DV assault, and then he had a couple uh, robberies in 2012 and 2011. Um, armed robbery. 90 days is the most he's, he's done in 90 jail. days for armed robbery. Yep. So last week on Tuesday, I believe, I get a phone call from a sheriff's deputy out of Albuquerque. The unit has been working closely with neighboring police departments and quickly learned that Mathis is a suspect in another sex trafficking case involving a 16-year-old girl. Detective Melissa Borges. They located her on Backpage here in Phoenix. 
and I don't know the circumstances surrounding it, but according to Glendale, they believe that 16-year-old girl out of Albuquerque coincidentally works for Dwayne. So we're gonna have a good child prostitution charge on him as well, which is a class two. You've made arrangements with him that you're coming in tomorrow at 5.30? Tomorrow at 5.30 on the Greyhound, which there will be a Greyhound pulling in there tomorrow at 5.30. Okay, so I can get it set up with uh, our fate guys. I will have him on the phone when he arrives tomorrow to kind of solidify everything yeah, else. I would want, I want him on the phone as he's pulling in the parking lot if we can get him. Hey, Chris, we're heading that way. Sergeant Clay Sutherland. These guys that are trafficking the girls are also selling drugs and involved in gangs and all sorts of other criminal activities. So we don't know a lot about this guy's violence potential. Okay. We're out at 27 in Glendale at the Greyhound bus station. He is, he's right there. Black Lexus right there. We got a visual on him. He's definitely our guy. One real quick, just to make sure he gets on the phone. It's ringing, boss. Hey, you ready or what? Are you there or where you at? OK, all right. I just don't want to be hanging out in front of some scary-ass bus station by myself. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's right. So, all right. Well, he's looking down at his phone. He's not looking around at all. Good to go at any time. On me here. I'll take the driver's door. Ready? Move up. Are you there? You okay? Let it go. Then I want you to lay that seat all the way back. All the way back. Lay it all the way back. Yes. Yep. You're good. Go ahead and do it. Go ahead. Now I want you to turn over and Mikey, I want you to crawl out that back door. Move them back. Crawl out. Do what you're told. Do exactly what you are told. Keep your hands up. Just like that. Now put yourself out. Put your hands out. Hands up. Hands up. Keep your hands up on your belly. On your belly. Your hands. Good. Thanks for doing what you told, all right? Okay. Thank you for doing what you told, all right? Can you roll to your website? Okay. Do me a favor. Just sit up while I talk to you. It's a respect thing. I'm not going to disrespect you while I'm in here. I expect you not to disrespect me either, OK? All right. All right, all right. Let's get this going, OK? I got more than enough proof to show that you were out there encouraging a female to lead a life of prostitution. That's not true, Miss Lady. I, OK. I and you know what? That's OK. I'm just telling you right now, you, you have every right. You're going to get an attorney. You can do your thing. You're going to defend yourself. So, but yes, I'm booking you into jail today is on that. Any, is there any way I can avoid that? Like, honestly, like, is there any way that I can sit here and avoid that? I, I, when I say anyway, anyway, I'll, if I could give you okay. some, a, a real person that's really doing this, if I could give you, if I can, if I can, if I could just be an informant, anything, I, please, I'll be in a that, And that's all stuff that you have to discuss with your with your uh, attorney. This is, ma'am, you don't know what's going to happen if I go to jail right now. Ma'am, 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 I know, ma'am. Ma'am, please. Right, just take a breath. Let me go do some paperwork. With the evidence they'd collected, 
the unit was able to help prosecutor Samantha Kaplinger build a sex trafficking case against Mathis. What we're receiving at the prosecution level is a better investigation from law enforcement. They are getting every loose end that they can to make sure that this person isn't going to get away with what they did. And we're getting very thorough investigations. Um, and that leads us to be able to get very strict sentences on these cases. Mathis eventually pleaded guilty and was sentenced to nine years and three months in prison. After months struggling to adjust to life at home, Kat has moved into the Phoenix Dream Center, which specializes in caring for survivors of sex trafficking. I actually ended up leaving home on July 25th of 2016, and I was sex trafficked. And it was the worst time of my life. Sorry. We are always full, always full. Constance Meredith, Phoenix Dream Center. And it, it's, it's sad because we, we need a place that's bigger for us to be able to house so we don't turn anybody away. The girl only gets that one chance possibly to call. And if you don't have a place for her, then who knows if she's ever gonna call again. Cat with her therapist, Carla Grace. So how are you feeling like you're settling in? I feel a lot safer here. How's okay. your sleep? It's a lot better. I'm falling asleep at like 9.30, 10. Oh, it used and I to used be... to fall asleep at like 5, maybe 6 a.m. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I didn't even know what sex trafficking was before I was taken. I didn't know that I would end up in the situation that I ended up in. It's good to have people up here that are like, you know, I know what you've been through. I may have not been through what you've been through, but I've been through something like that, so I, I can relate to how you feel, and I'm here for you. <laughs> Mariah has been living at the Dream Center for five months. She escaped from her traffickers two years earlier. I was out there for um, almost four years. I hated every second of it. I hated every call. I remember putting my phone on airplane mode sometimes, like, and I would, I would take the beating that came for that, but I just couldn't, I couldn't do it for, like, another, I couldn't, I couldn't do it again. But for me, like, like, when I started, it's, like, all these, like, big promises and, like, oh, you know, you can have whatever you want and you can travel and you can take care of your family and not have to worry about anything and I'll keep you safe and make sure nothing happens to you. And they mentally trap you more, way more than physically. Physically, I, I could have gotten away if, if I wanted to, you know, like, cause I was out on the track or in the room by myself sometimes. So, I mean, I could have, but it's like emotionally and, and mentally, like they have you like in handcuffs. It's like they pick the most insecure, like, or sad or like damaged in some kind of emotional way, like female, and then they take them and they just like build up their head with what, if you don't know what love is, what you might perceive as love. Then once they get you that way, then they <laughs> flip the script and they tell you like, you're mine and or this is always what you're going to be and you know you can't do anything else and you can't ever leave you can't ever get away like I'll find you and just crazy stuff you know and like you believe it like you believe 
what they say in that moment, like, it sounds believable. Like, nobody will love you past this. Nobody will see past this sounds believable. So you just, you just believe it. And then you just go and you think and you hope that things will get better and then they never do. And then you're just there. And then one day you wake up and it's years later and you're not even the same person. Like many victims of sex trafficking, Mariah says she was too scared to tell the police. So nothing ever happened to the men who trafficked her. Zero, state of Arizona versus Brian Alexander Martinez Aguilar. But because Kat did work with the police, they were able to arrest not just the traffickers, but one of the men who paid to have sex with her. Detective de Couflet. And laws changed also that it wasn't a defense for them to say if they were buying sex from someone, I, I don't know how old they are. Um, we now, in, in Arizona, if, if the person's under 18, they're getting charged with child sex trafficking just like a, a trafficker would. The man gave detectives evidence that helped corroborate Kat's story. Uh, sir, in light of the fact that you entered into a guilty plea in this matter, you've waived your right to direct appeal. He took a plea deal and got three years probation. Deterring customers has been a big part of the anti-trafficking effort in Phoenix. The detectives do undercover work on the streets. It's nice to meet you. What are you looking for? Sex. Sex? Sex, OC. They then arrest the men for the crime of soliciting prostitution. Human trafficking only perpetuates because there's a customer base. If we had no customers, we had no demand, there would be no trafficking. A simple economics. Is this everybody? On this day, the detectives are planning a week-long crackdown on potential buyers. We're going to do a hotel reversal operation today. When I first started, we would arrest Johns all the time. We would do undercover operations. We would give them a ticket and send them on their way. Then we changed our policy of how we deal with them. They don't just get a ticket, they get booked, their photo gets taken. It becomes a little bit more of a deterrent. The deals all off that and do it just like we were doing the, the website. Instead of working the streets, the unit is using online ads and a website it's set up to attract targets. So the decoys that will be posting ads are Amber, Evelina, Christy, Amanda, Melissa, Heidi. They schedule appointments for sex acts in downtown hotels. Yes, it is. What can I do for you? Yes, I charge, but different things cost different prices, period. What were you looking for, question mark? Or what do we say, $60 for a quickie? It depends on what you're looking for and how much time. That sounds like a challenge. Oh, Daddy Dom, edging. This is a full-time job, for sure. There's a lot of customer base. There's a lot of demand. He just wants to be tied up by a girl his age. There is some stuff on the streets, but it's not as prominent as it is on the internet. This is like fish in a barrel right here. It's like throwing chum off the boat. We had developed a program where we were posting ads and we were really collecting all the data of everyone that was contacting us, and phone numbers, who was visiting the website. What do you want to do with my boobs? Every single time we have a huge portion of the same people contacting our undercover ads. Kitty and ass play, nothing uncovered. 
can talk more about that when you get here. Period. Were you looking for BJ? Question mark. If so, I don't do it uncovered. So could you get the flavored ones? Question mark. Getting on the phone and talking to men, just being so vulgar, is a major shift. Sounds like you and I are going to have a fun afternoon. Period. Fetishes, though, are extras, so I don't know what you had in mind. And now I have my husband calling. Hello? Uh, I'm at the extended stay. We're doing a hotel reversal. All right, I'll call you later. Um, Samantha? <laughs> Hi, about my kids? Oh, by the way, which... <laughs> how much for a job? Ugh. I don't know who this guy is, but he's pretty aggressive. That sounds illegal. There's a lot more fetishes and deviant behavior that's requested of the women. And that scares me, just because I hear what they're asking of me. So I know they're asking the same thing of somebody who's actually being trafficked. People are, think that they're paying for something so they can use and abuse and do whatever they want because they believe that no one will care, no one will report it, nobody's gonna miss them which unfortunately often is true. Are you still on your way, question mark? I'm ready for you, period. This guy's gonna be here in 40 minutes. The other guy's gonna be here in 45 minutes. Okay, and we just learned that our arrest team is in position. Are we good to go with this? We're, we're good to go. Phoenix Police. Oh, sorry. Phoenix Police. Anthony on your back. Phoenix Police. Phoenix Police. Hands up. Hands up. On your back. All right, Phoenix Police. Her guy was supposed to be here 15 minutes ago. 15 minutes, 15 minutes, 15 minutes. Hey girl, he's here for you. Almost every single male that I interact with, the first thing they want to say is, whoa. No, 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 no. No. I didn't know. I had no part in it. The girls I interact with are not trafficking victims. Um, I guess I would think that was probably more so in maybe other countries. Oh, if I knew if, if someone was under the control of him doing it forcefully, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be interested in it. None of the men arrested in the operation were engaged in sex trafficking, but the detectives wanted to send a message. But human trafficking could very well have been what you just walked into. And because human trafficking is so prevalent here in Arizona, our, our requirement went from a simple ticket to send you on your way to now being booked into jail. When we arrest them and their lives are completely shattered because they've now, you know, their pictures end up on websites or they end up on the news and their wives find out because their cars have been towed. I have seen more grown men crying as a result of being arrested for, for this crime than any other crime. I don't think Johns are held nearly as accountable as what they should be. I think it's so rare for us to, as investigators to actually find the Johns. 
and have the evidence necessary to prosecute them. Though a John is cooperating in Kat's case, it's taking a long time to be resolved. Anytime we do these cases, we want to get a photo of what the victim looked like at the day that they were recovered. We want to be able to show a jury because from the time she's recovered to the time it goes to trial, her appearance could change drastically. And so this was the photo that was taken of Kat. With Kat's help, the detectives have been accumulating evidence against the three men accused of trafficking her. She's got an impeccable memory. And uh, we were able to find some really great surveillance footage. We also have, obviously, the hotel records for the various hotels she pointed out. We have bedding, some sheets that we'll be sending out for DNA testing. And we have um, a couple of cell phones, but one of the most important cell phones is, uh, is Raphael's cell phone. But after a year, there has been little progress in court. Case management conference in two matters, state versus... The three defendants, Jesse Cisneros, Rafael Quiros, and Brian Flamate, have appeared at more than a dozen preliminary hearings. It's painstakingly long sometimes, the, the time between the arrest and the time that we see a suspect in trial. And we just don't have any control over that. Kat has repeatedly come face to face with the three men. And it's taking a toll. I just don't know if I have enough strength like inside of me to continue doing and being involved in the case anymore. This should have been over a long time ago. The victim's cooperation and CAD in this case is absolutely imperative for us to move forward. Without a victim, there's no crime. Unfortunately, that's the way the justice system works when we're talking about sex trafficking. So if CAT was not to participate in this case, the suspects would be out and we'd be done. After living at the Dream Center for nine months, Kat has moved back home with her family. Kat's mother. It's hard to be a parent and not... Look at these nails. ...be able to fix what hurts your kid. She has to get past all this, and she can't get past all of it when it keeps dragging on. I sent this to the, the prosecutors. I've realized through this process why victims do not report things or trust our justice system. My daughter's a strong person, but even the strong can only take so much. She says she's okay, but as her parents, we know she is not. She's stuck in the trauma of a 16-year-old girl. As the case has been developing, Kat's therapist, Carla Grace, is helping prepare her to take the witness stand at trial. So, Kat, as we get closer, so you just let me know how you're feeling and if things start getting more activated. Okay, just let me know, okay? With any client, prep time to be able to stand and to be cross-examined, I think that's one of the most difficult, vulnerable times. And, you know, can she do it? Probably not today. But knowing that that could be down the road, then there's a lot of things to do to prepare for it. Kat has asked Carla to take her back to the scene of the crime. And I haven't been over here since everything happened. See, so like right now, I got a scale of zero to 10. Like a seven. Kat, if there's a certain point where you're just like, okay, this is close enough, just let me know. Go straight. So where are you now? 
I'm scared. Okay. Zero to ten. Eight. It was right at the top of the stairwell. The room is 206. This was the room where Brian choked me for the first time. I had just gone out of the shower. And he said I was being disrespectful because I didn't want to do nothing. And so I got started getting lippy with him and he grabbed me by my throat and pushed me onto a little coffee table that's in there. And he told me that I was his bitch, so he didn't care. After two and a half years, there's finally a break in Kat's case. She won't have to go through the ordeal of a trial after all. One of the accused traffickers, Jesse Cisneros, has agreed to cooperate with prosecutors in hopes of reducing his sentence. He was able to corroborate a lot of what Kat had told me. He was able to talk to me about the hotels that she was taken to. He gave me the information on some customers that she had been with, who posted the ads, who took the photos. I could take pictures. Everything was on my phone. Basically corroborated everything I already had with Kat. And after he signed the testimonial agreements, plea deals started happening. That too. All three of the men accused of trafficking Kat would end up taking plea deals, sparing her from having to testify at any of their trials. Yeah, I'm hoping she can really just kind of put it behind her and focus on going forward. Had we taken this case to trial, they would have spent likely, you know, the rest of their lives in prison or, or pretty close to it. Showing up to court every month and having to face these people. The men would still have to go to court for a judge to determine their sentences. In March 2019, Kat arrived at the courthouse in Phoenix. Jesse Cisneros was going to be sentenced. Thank you. Please be seated. I'm happy that the trial's not going through. That should be the one thing that I get out of all of this is just the right to, to happiness, you know? Your Honor, the victim would like to speak in She had decided she wanted to read a statement. I've been waiting for this moment for almost three years. And I just want to say the right words. And I want to say words that'll stick with them for a really long time. I wanted to speak today because I really need this to come to an end. For the past three years, I've gone through more than any young adult should ever have to go through. Court date after court date, I was forced to see the defendants denying their actions, knowing very well they, they knew what they had done to me. It has affected me and my family, as well as everyone around me. In multiple instances, the defendants beat me, sexually assaulted me, starved me, and let others change men do the same. They would hold me down, and when I would beg for them to stop, they would, they would cover my mouth and laugh. Laugh at the fact that they were hurting me. 
doing something like this to a person is inhumane. And when they were doing it, they thought about no one but themselves. I'm gonna have to deal with this for the rest of my life. Prosecutor Samantha Kaplinger. You've seen the victim and you've seen the harm that he caused. The fact that she was traded like property, the fact that she was beaten and her life was threatened daily is not something that should be forgotten in this case. And what the state finds the most reprehensible about this case is that Mr. Cisneros saw no difference between trading drugs in society and trading victims and females, such as the victim in this case. Thank you, Mr. Cisneros. Mr. Cisneros, anything you want to say on your own behalf? I don't expect their forgiveness, but I, I would like them to know that I deeply am sorry and would like them to just be able to move on from this. Well, Mr. Cisneros, unfortunately, I've had a number of cases like this. Um, I'm frankly shocked. I mean, to abduct a child and force her into committing sex acts for money. Superior Court Judge Michael Kemp. Difficult to think of something more despicable than that. That's just, I mean, it's very disturbing. It's very disturbing. Um, the victim in this case described it as uh, inhumane, and I think that that's, that's a good way to describe it. Um, you and your co-defendants preyed on a child and used her to make money in the worst possible way that I can think of by performing sex acts against her will. Um, it, it's, it's really a disturbing situation, as all these cases are. The impact that this has had on the victim is, is obviously the strongest aggravating factor in this matter. Um, she's going to have to live with this the rest of her life, no matter what happens. This is going to be something she's going to have to carry with her, and it's going to be a burden. The judge gave Cisneros 24 years for child sex trafficking and other charges. At his hearing, Rafael Quiroz was given 10 years and Bryant Flamate, 16 years. They will all be on lifetime sex offender probation due to new anti-trafficking laws in Arizona. It didn't hit me until probably like that night at probably like three in the morning, four in the morning, I just started crying and it was over nothing. And it was just like, I think it was just my body telling me like, you can breathe, you know, it's, it's finally over. Like you can live your life. You don't have to worry anymore, you know? Since Phoenix began its new approach to sex trafficking, it has seen victories. The longer you stay out here, but also new challenges. So there isn't really a centralized place for us to go and look right now to help us find the victims. Backpage, the most popular website for sex traffickers, was shut down. So now we're just trying to figure out um, where everybody's going. So these new websites have popped up. Um, Bedpage, which is um, almost an exact replica of Backpage. Then we've got um, one Backpage. Basically, it's all of these different websites now that we don't have um, any agreements or search tools with, and they've kind of spread out. So we don't have a certain location to go look for them anymore. And it's kind of a 
crapshoot. There always seems to be this urgency to, to, to take things down, to make it inconvenient for the traffickers. But when you do that, there's always unintended consequences. So you take down Backpage, and then, you know, there's more trafficking on the street. It becomes more violent. So he choked you out because you wouldn't work? Yeah. He come out of nowhere, punched me in the jaw, choked me. I've been raped. He did it to a gang of other girls. You just be careful with my head. I got beat up real bad this morning. You got jumped this morning. The activity out here is more than we've ever seen in our careers. And we're seeing a lot of girls, young girls, out here on the streets now. What's your first name? Nadia. Nadia. Honestly, hon, you don't look like an adult to me. You look very young. A lot of freaking cops. I think the thing that's getting harder and harder for us is to figure out where victims are. Come on out, hon. Our work is constantly having to shift, evolve, and we are having to adapt to what the traffickers are doing with their victims. It's like a cat and mouse game. And I think it's the old-fashioned cops and robbers. And we're reacting, obviously, and we're going to change with how they change. But the wheel goes round and round in law enforcement. Lois has been working this guy for two or three days now. I just got an okay, but he said not till nine, and that's in 13 minutes. So his life is going to change in 13 minutes. And he's knocking on the room. For the detectives in Phoenix. Put your hands on your head. Turn away from me. The fight against sex trafficking goes on. Go to pbs.org slash frontline for more on the changing landscape of sex trafficking. Previous to the internet, traffickers had to work to build a relationship to get that trust from those victims. And who is at risk? We're seeing more and more girls because the traffickers have access to them through their phones and through the internet. Then visit the Frontline Archive where you can stream more than 200 Frontline documentaries. Connect to the Frontline community on Facebook, Twitter, and pbs.org frontline. Frontline is made possible by contributions to your PBS station from viewers like you. Thank you. And by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Major support is provided by the John D. and Catherine T. MacArthur Foundation, committed to building a more just, verdant, and peaceful world. More information at macbound.org. The Ford Foundation, working with visionaries on the front lines of social change worldwide at fordfoundation.org. Additional support is provided by the Abrams Foundation, committed to excellence in journalism. The Park Foundation, dedicated to heightening public awareness of critical issues, the John and Helen Glessner Family Trust, supporting trustworthy journalism that informs and inspires. And by the Frontline Journalism Fund, with major support from John and Joanne Hagler, and additional support from Koo and Patricia Ewan through the Ewan Foundation. Sex Trafficking in America was directed by Jezza Newman, and produced by Lauren Mucciolo and Jezza Newman. And the senior producers were Frank Kewen and Callie T. Weiser. The managing editor of Frontline is Andrew Metz. 
The executive producer of Frontline is Rainey Aronson Roth. To order Frontline's Sex Trafficking in America on DVD, visit Shop PBS or call 1-800-PLAY-PBS. This program is also available on Amazon Prime Video.